All right, guys, I want you guys to all go nuts. Like I said, we're treating this like a Saturday night. So let's make some noise, shall we? Yes. From the walk-off, Scott Belford, everybody. And from Locked On Blue Jays, Craig Ballard. Toronto, hello. How are all of you doing? I mean, this Jays team just went 10 and 5 over the easy stretch, so good news there. And Can you all do me a big favor here and it. give it up one more time for Mark Anthony Synagoga starting things off? It's funny because uh, it is an all-ages show, and I was asked a few times, so if some of your kids are here, I didn't mention to Mark to not be throwing around F-bombs. So, if your child just learned new words, we're sorry. Like you said, I'm Scott Belford from the Walk Off Podcast. This is my good buddy, Craig Ballard from Locked On Blue Jays. Check, check, check. Oh, hello. Hello, thank you. Now, Scott, you mentioned the 10 and 5, and it was a nifty 10 and 5, right? No problems, no, no issues along the no way? No issues. Excellent. Sounds good. Okay. No Sounds issues. Good. We've never been more confident in this team. Right. 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 But honestly, here's the truth, okay? Whether you like how they've done it or not, this is a 90-win baseball team. This is a team that should and most likely will be in the playoffs. Yeah. Will. Will be in the playoffs. Will yes, be in yes, the playoffs. Yes, Thank yes. you. I appreciate that correction. Yeah. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> hey, there's kids. Who said damn right? We said there's kids here. What just happened there? <laughs> yeah, the, my, my fear for all of you. Now, the, the lights are blinding, but I can already... I, uh, I can pick up that this is a good-looking crowd, so my fear is that a lot of you are going to end up looking like me when the season is over. So if we could get some, you know, some, some wins a little more traditional. How about like an 8-3? Is that on the table going? Like, my goodness, right? Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay. He so, says it's his fear, but he wants all of us bald. That's the uh, truth. Bald, bald <laughs> is beautiful. I, I, will, I will say that. But if I had a long, flowing hair like this, no, 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 no. I, I would take it. I wear a hat for a reason, folks. I would take it, yeah. Well, uh, really got a skullet going on. No. Shout out to Rymel Tapia, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Rymel Tapia. I mean, that was enviable hair. Yeah. That was enviable hair. All right, folks. It is time to introduce to you our panel. So this is what happens every single Sunday on the walk-off. We run a show called The Long Toss. I know many of you follow along, so it's good to see you here in person. And like Mark said, we are going to go into the audience, and you have questions for any of our panelists or for Jay or Davis. We will get to that at the end of the show. So let's start with introducing some of these uh, fine baseball minds. To start with, please welcome to the stage a long-tossed veteran. This lady is almost on every program. Make some noise for Baseball Jen, everybody! Yes! Seamless. All right, so Jen, to start with, I may not have turned your mic on before you got out here. There we go. Let's give which her a go. Which was not a hint. It was just an accident. There. Can you hear me? There. We got a working microphone on Jen. All right. 
We're excited to hear Jen's thoughts on the last 15 days of this Jay's stretch. Please welcome to the stage your next guest for the evening, the one and the only from Gate 14, Johnny G, everybody! Now, Johnny, you also may need to turn your mic on there. Is this good now? There. All right, there, we go. there we go. There we go. I'm not the brightest. I'm not the brightest. That's on me. That's my bad. Look at how smooth this has gone so far. All right, folks. Welcome to the stage. You probably know him from Jay's Talk Plus and from Sportsnet, the one and the only Blake Murphy, everybody. So, we also have one last panelist, the lovely Julia Cruz from MLB.com. She was actually reporting on the game today. So she just messaged me. She'll be in about 15 minutes when she arrives. Up she comes and away we go. In the meantime, let's get this going, bud. After you. Okay, let's start with today's game because it felt like it could have been a loss and then... Let's start with you, Jen. Uh, question, have you ever seen anything like what we watched Cole Reagan of the Kansas City Royals go through on the mound in the sixth? That was absolutely bonkers. I've never seen anything like that. And I don't know why he just kept insisting that he was okay and didn't have the mound checked or didn't do something. But, you know, I think the, the biggest takeaway from that is that the Jays ended up capitalizing, right? They found a way to Good capitalize call. on those mistakes, and that is what you have to do. It really is, and I mean, I look back on my time of watching baseball, and I, I can't think of another time where a guy has had three wild pitches to first advance the runners from second and first. Like, even when it first happened, I was like, oh, my God, now we're just a single away from tying this up. And then enter two more wild pitches. Johnny, when you look at this Kansas City Royals team and where the Blue Jays are now, I know people are always constantly, whether the Jays win or lose, they can be negative on this team. Does it matter to you that they're the lowly Kansas City Royals that they just swept? No, it doesn't. I mean, so going back to the Cole Reagans thing, what he should have done is just pretend he was injured. When you embarrass yourself like that on three straight pitches, you just walk off the mound, pretend you're injured, grab the trainer to get out there, and you go from there. But I tweaked something. Yeah, exactly. You just hold something, hold a leg, an arm, whatever. Maybe contact got loose or something like that in your eye. But yeah, no, I mean, this sweep was, I, I said we needed the sweep, obviously. It's one of the worst teams in baseball. Terrible team, terrible bullpen. You look at all, all the ERAs are 10 times their body weights when they come out of the bullpen. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I needed a sweep, and I don't care who it is. It could be a Hawaii Little League team. The Jays got to sweep them. It's just, it's, especially where they're at right now and how bad the Mariners are playing lately and how bad the Rangers are playing, obviously. So it, th this was a well-needed sweep that had to happen and obviously got them a little bit of ground, a little bit of breathing room going into uh, the biggest series of the year right here. And Johnny, I just wanted to mention, because I love what Johnny's saying there about faking the injury, because now you fake the injury, now you come back, that's the Michael Jordan flu game. That's your hero origin now when you come back. So he should have done that, definitely. 
Now, Blake, you were saying something in the green room there about, you know what, it was shades of Rick and Keel. That, that was the only thing we could even bring it to. Rick and Keel, we knew there were, it was going to be problematic him pitching. Cole Reagans, this came out of nowhere. He was dealing. The only other comparison I can make for it is one time I was playing at a slow pitch tournament in Dorchester, and I was so hungover for the Sunday morning game that I walked the first six batters that I faced oh and pulled my myself God. from the game. Obviously, he was 100 pitches in. He had a little more under his belt there. But, yeah, you got to do what Johnny suggested, and I had to be, like, too hungover to take me out of the game. <laughs> uh, I think he was probably not dealing with that, but it's pretty remarkable to see. And he had, like, walked a couple batters before that, too. It's... Is a, an odd one to figure out, especially for a guy like that who's had such a big turnaround mid-season. You wonder what that does mentally or, or what was going on there. It's, a, it's an odd one. The MO of this team all year has been defense and pitching. We continue to see it, although some of the big hitters from last year that were really struggling are starting to heat up. Since August 20th, we've seen Alejandro Kirk hitting 353. Yeah. An on-base percentage of 439. He's slugging 559. We're starting to see some life out of Kirky again. Vlad is hitting just under 300 with a slug of 467. He's heating up. And, of course, we watched George Springer hit two bombs just yesterday. And Georgie yes. heating up is always good news for this team. So, Blake, we'll go to you here. When you see a team struggle for as long, like, I mean, just sample size-wise, you almost got to wonder if they're ever going to find it. But seeing these guys heat up at this point, do you have some hope that there's life in this offense and that we can move forward from the last four months? I think so. I think something that is important in, in the way you set that up, though, is that we're celebrating a 467 slugging as a hot streak for Vlad right yes. now. And I think as far as you know, people still consider him potentially the team's best hitter, that's got to be higher. I can't go into the playoffs being like, well, maybe he'll slug 467. That has to go a little higher. The Springer stuff is huge, though. The way that that and Bobachet's return sets up the top of the lineup and everything flows from there, and you're, you're not having to hit guys out of a spot of the order that they shouldn't be hitting in. You know, you can't get too optimistic because this has coincided also with, you know, Whit Merrifield has come down to earth and far below it at the same time. So guys are going to streak. But, yeah, I mean, the, the September George Springer thing appears to be a real thing, and, and Bo's going to give the rest of the lineup a, a shot as well. But like you said off the top, this team's built to win like a lot of 4-3 playoff games, not 7-5 playoff games. And can we give a shout-out as well? Because over the last month, we've got a 345 on base and about a 780 OPS with the defense. I mean, Dalton, Dalton Varshow. Dalton Varshow. Yeah. yeah. Dalton Varshow. Like, last month, Dalton Varshow has brought it. Johnny, these guys are making a 131 average sound bad. They're making your career average. And, and uh, that's a low blow, correct? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was a team guy. I was a locker room guy. <laughs> the glue. Johnny was a glue guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jen, when people are down on this team and you look at the standings and you see that the only teams ahead of them in Major League Baseball right now is Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Houston, the Dodgers, and Atlanta, we're not sitting so bad, right? No, I mean, they are in a good position right now. And I think, you know, obviously when you're a fan base and you follow your team literally pitch by pitch, it's really easy to get to wade into the weeds and get bogged down in all of the little negative things, especially when a team has so many expectations coming into the season, right? And not all of those expectations have, have been met. So like two things can be equally true, right? Mm -hmm. Some players have not performed to expectation, but the team has also played well. And they are right now 
in a playoff position, which is exactly where you want them to be going into these final series of the, of the season. To add on to that, too, if you look at, at the teams that are in this playoff hunt, the AL West, like, thank the baseball gods for what is going on in the <laughs> AL West because it is insane that the script has flipped from what we were talking at the beginning of the season was the AL East, the AL East, and the Yankees have face-planted. Boston has slowly faded away, which is a beautiful thing to see. But even if you look at the schedule upcoming, right, and Seattle and Texas play each other seven times. Seattle plays Houston three times. That means 10 of the next 20 games. If the Jays just win, they're gaining on somebody. And that's massive. Do you think when you look at this schedule, Blake, at this point, that this is the Jays to lose? I will feel that way after this Rangers series if they take three <laughs> out of four. Like, you, you can't feel that way if you split this series or go one for three. Like, you need three for the tiebreaker against Texas as well. So I'll feel that way afterward. Like, look, there's some weirdness that could happen the last two weeks, or the, yeah, the last two weeks, where the Yankees... They have this thing about not finishing below 500, so they'll be going for that. They'll want to play spoiler. And then the Rays, maybe they have the division to play for still. So I don't think you can like lock those in as better to a better closing two weeks than the other teams. But yeah, if you come out of this Texas series and you've got two or three games on them and the tiebreaker, you're going to feel really in control. And not only in control, but how ironic is it, and, and this is not for the faint of heart, right, the, the threading of the needle that the Blue Jays are trying to do right now, but they're trying for that third spot. That third spot, all due respect to Minnesota, plays Minnesota. That's precisely who you would want to handpick if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Johnny, you played baseball. I joke, you played it at a good level in that. As somebody who didn't now, uh, on the outside looking in, that's what I'm thinking, but are you sitting there, Johnny, as someone who played the game saying, oh, Craig, be careful. I mean, that's, that's too much of a needle thread. I say it in like a joking way, obviously tank for the third wild card, but you obviously just can't like tank and lose games and stuff like that. But obviously it's in the back of the players' minds. Obviously they don't want to go to a Tropicana field and play there. They'd rather go to Target, State, Target Field. Blue Jays' dad will be there and uh, yeah, oh yeah. Face, uh, <laughs> face the uh, Minnesota Twins. I mean, they're not idiots. I mean, Twins is a way easier competition. Tropicana Field, House of Horrors. Obviously it's either that or Camden Yards. So, I mean, uh, in the back of their minds, they're definitely thinking of it like, damn, all right, we're in the second wild card spot right now. We're going to have to go somewhere. But I, I think they're not going to be obviously tanking and losing games. But I do know it's going to be like, this is a way tougher matchup. matchup. It's, an easier, it's an easier schedule for the playoffs if you go to Minnesota and face those teams. Do you worry about the Jordan Luplo revenge game? Yes. Whoa, I, I'm worried whoa, about that. He might, he might have said something along those lines. It'll be a revenge game if he uh, faces the Jays. It's a joke. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Luplo, I'm going to have to cheer against him. Hopefully he strikes out when the Jays face him. When you look at the, the roster crunch that's upcoming, and Matt Chapman obviously returning to the lineup eventually here, um, you look at Eric Swanson on the verge of returning. How do the Jays manage this when the guys from Buffalo, and maybe we'll go to you here, Jen, are literally lighting the world on fire right now? It's a good problem to have, right? Um, I mean, ultimately, the Jays have to put out their best lineup, right? Um, and so, for instance, I don't think you're taking Davis Schneider out of that lineup anytime soon, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so the Jays are in a good position that way to actually be getting back players 
who in one way or another make the team better, whether it's defensively or, or whatever the situation is. So, you know, who is it that's, that's on the outside looking in at this point? You know, maybe it's Spencer Horowitz. I, I, I don't know, but like I said, they've got a decision to make, but it's a good decision to have to be making at this point. Do we have any eyes on Brandon Belt uh, uh, when he's coming back that, right yeah. now, by the way? He's, he's still a Toronto Blue Jay, yes? Can I confirm? Okay, okay, I can confirm that. Okay, Blake, you're running the Toronto Blue Jays. Matt Chapman comes back tomorrow. I assume he's your starting third baseman, but where do you have him in this lineup? Oh, seventh or eighth. Okay. It's, uh, I mean, he was in the bottom third before he hit the IL anyway. We haven't seen him hit since the end of April, where obviously he had the best month in all of baseball. He was incredible, and then whatever was clicking there kind of went the other way. So... Yeah, I think he's a guy who you slot in seventh, maybe even eighth, and he can play his way back up. But, yeah, I don't think you can drop him into a middle-of-the-order spot. First of all, I mean, like, you won't know for sure if the bat is back with the, the finger stuff. Like, if he's targeting the Red Sox this weekend, then you're only talking about one or two uh, rehab games anyway, and the bat wasn't playing before. So, yeah, he's going to have to work his way back up the, the batting order. And I think, honestly, an interesting question is, He's been an everyday guy since he got here. Is that more of a five-game-a-week thing now because so many guys around him are hitting? And obviously, they love the defense, but there's a huge gap in what he was doing offensively and what the guys who have filled in have been doing. I, I think there's no way he's playing in every single game down the stretch. Wow. Well, I got to give a shout-out to Jen. She had one of the tweets of the year, I thought. The Blue Jays had announced that Matt Chapman's middle right finger is still sore and and baseball oh join the club join the club are you yeah. kidding the way you guys been hitting with the runners in scoring position my right middle finger's been getting a workout too no i absolutely love that johnny where are you on uh, on mr chapman and johnny am i I'm, johnny i feel like he's been pitched the same way all season like i don't understand where april matt chapman went i care about matt chapman's health he should take his time I think he should take his time. Uh, <laughs> should be out as long. Take, take his time a little bit there. Listen, I, I don't know how you can implement a guy who's been hitting so poorly since April. I mean, obviously the defense there, I'm not downgrading the defense or degrading the defense, but this lineup, like you guys mentioned, eight and two in their last 10, their offense has been really good runner scoring position with him not in the lineup when he's been injured and stuff like that. So it's a hard decision to make, but I do not have to agree. You can't play him every single day because he can't hit the ele elevated fastball. He can't hit 92-mile-an-hour fastballs. He can't hit 90-mile-an-hour down-the-middle balls. So I don't know. But I, I think the five-days-a-week thing makes a lot of sense because uh, th these, these Buffalo boys have earned their spot in that lineup every single day. So it's, it's a tough decision to make for John Schneider. Blake, when you look at what Matt Chapman has done this season, where do you view his value on the open market coming up as a free agent? Has he shot himself in the foot a little bit? Like, are we talking maybe needing to take a one-year, two-year rebuild deal, or he's fine? Yeah, he's going to be – look at the free agent market and look at the list of guys who are out there. It's nothing, especially if you need an infielder. There is nothing – like, Heimer Candelario is, like, high on yeah. the list of <laughs> Truly. infield guys. Yes. Like it's, it's everyone laughed, but that's yeah. the truth. It's, yeah. it's really dire out there, and I think Matt Chapman can still pretty comfortably ask for like, like I think four years, a hundred million as an absolute floor, and I think he's going to get that from the Yankees. And Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris has a has a sense of humor about these things, right, Blake? Like he'll just it'll be an e easy negotiation, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother, it'll be right. nice and yeah, No, right. it'll be. Look, I, I don't think as much as we've all enjoyed watching the defense and the Jays are you know, appreciate what he's done and stuff. I, I'd imagine it's a, here's your qualifying offer. I decline. Okay. Uh, happy trails. Jen, can you see the Jays being in on Chapman? Or are you with Blake on this? I'm with Blake on yeah. this. Absolutely. I just, 
given given who they have coming up, I just can't see them offering big dollars to Matt Chapman, given how he's performed this season, given his age, and given the fact that y the Yankees need a third baseman and are going to absolutely mm. shell out. And the, the, as well, you, and we talk about the Buffalo Boys, how much we're all loving the Buffalo Boys. My gosh, Aravis Martinez hasn't walked in the door yet, and Addison Barger hasn't walked in the door yet. So you guys are right. There needs to be, uh, from a roster construction standpoint, the Blue Jays need to have these things on mind going forward. And to Jen's point, nice problem to have going forward, by the way. Well, and that's just money that can be spent elsewhere, right? Yeah. Upgrading other areas of, of, of the roster. I'll tell you, you just sparked me. I would like to see some of that money allocated, because are we loving Jordan Hicks? Now, this is going to be an expensive free agent. Blake, do you think this guy has, because, I mean, you got Connor Cook. We've got guys coming up that could be the next Jordan Hicks, but, man, his stuff, goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big pay relievers guy. Mm. I just think so many of those contracts backfire, and we've seen this year. They've found a guy in Bowden Francis who was a Shout DFA, out to a Francis, DFA yeah. guy last year. Yeah. Um, you know, you acquired Jordan Hicks for not, I mean, a decent price, but, like, you can add guys like that on the market pretty freely. If it's a one-year deal where he wants to just keep upping that value because, hey, I had a terrible April and my ERA is inflated and I'd like to get some more saves and, you know, hit the market again, sure. But long-term deals for relievers almost never work out. And while we're giving uh, some props and talking relievers, can, I, I mean, Yenesis Cabrera? My gosh. Yeah, wow. My gosh. My gosh. Has this guy been a find? Holy cow. The Blue Jays pared down. What was he throwing? He was throwing four or five different pitches with St. Louis. Blue Jays said change up, the, the, tossed a bunch of stuff, two pitches, and my God, when you look at the batter's reactions, they are not differentiating his fastball from his slider or the other things he's throwing up there. It has been extremely impressive. Now you've got that bullet in your, in, in, in your arsenal for the fifth or the sixth inning, and you can save a Tim Meza for the tough outs later? My God, Yenesis Cabrera's been huge for this team. Truly, the bullpen and the starting pitching has been the strength of this team all year long. Anthony and Bass? Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no, no, sorry, no, oh, oh, sorry, no, that was wrong, no, no. Craig, what did we no. say? It's a kid-friendly show. Right. <laughs> Correct. Listen, the length that this starting pitching has given is absolutely incredible, honestly. Chris, yeah, yeah. go ahead, yeah. make some noise. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Bassett, the Hound, has pitched 173.1 innings this year. Jose Barrios... 164, and I mean, add the, he's 170 now after today's game. Kevin Gosman, 167. Even Yusei Kikuchi is at 148, yes. So I am curious, because I would like to, okay, perfect. That means our guest has arrived. Welcome to the stage, the very great baseball mind that is Julia Cruz from MLB.com. Yes. All right. So Hi, I don't even. Oh. Hi. Okay. I heard well, the you name just share. Say Kikuchi, and I was here. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an awkward mic exchange. There, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello. Nice to be here with you. Yes. You look Sorry, great, my friend. Yes, thank you for coming down. No, absolutely. And you are here in just the nick of time for the question about the length of innings because we heard, uh, saw a very interesting thing happen just yesterday with George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners who wound up getting pulled, or uh, sorry, going out in the seventh 
after pitching 90 pitches and then came out in the media afterwards and straight up said, I shouldn't have been back out there. That's ridiculous. Of course, a lot of the old school pitchers then chimed in and was like, well, that statement is ridiculous. Uh, when you look at the Blue Jays starting rotation, Julia, and you see how much length they've given, and then you hear something like George Kirby uh, and his statement, where are you at on where, I guess the question for you is, what should people expect from a starting pitcher? What is the length that you think in 2023 you would hope that they give? And how impressive is what this starting staff is doing for the Jays? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, to be very, very honest with you. I, I do believe that uh, we live in an age where obviously athletes are blessed with the amount of analytics uh, and, and stats that we have that may indicate what the right number is for a certain guy. Or, and you're going to see that number vary from starter to starter. Kevin Gosman, for example, uh, is someone who has given the Blue Jays a tremendous amount of innings, but he has also felt a little, a little bit. Yes, he recovered, he bounced back pretty nicely in his last time out, but we saw that fatigue settle in a little bit, and, and he did have a stretch uh, late last month in which he ran into trouble. It may be because of that, it may be because of opposing, opposing a, a hitter's game plan, I'm not saying that you know he's tired and therefore he's not pitching well, but at this point in the season, having pitching as much as, having pitched as much as he has, for sure it will it will make a difference. It's a it's a very long season. Conversely, the Blue Jays have needed that length, <laughs> right? Yes, they have. The Blue Jays have absolutely needed that length. We have seen the bats not necessarily come up with the timely hits, not give Kevin Gosman any sort of uh, run support for a, a, a ton of his uh, of his starts. And that is a lot to ask, not only from a starting rotation, but also uh, from uh, your relief pitchers who are coming in day in and day out. Uh, we have seen a guy like Jimmy Garcia sort of struggle a little bit from time to time. You don't really know what to expect from him. Uh, and I'm, and listen, the, the Blue Jays pitching staff as a whole has been phenomenal. I don't think that there's, there's it, it's been, I guess, the biggest surprise of the season. If you were to, to, to ask me at the beginning of the season, what would be more surprising? The dominance of the, uh, the of the pitching staff or the struggles of the bats and I would probably have told you that uh, I didn't expect the, uh, the the pitching staff to be this dominant now uh, you did predict you say Kikuchi's I <laughs> never well never gave up on <laughs> and I feel really smart right now yeah I do. as you should I do I, it's funny because uh, and I'm not, not I'm not saying that I did this but someone did and sent it to me uh, if you look up Julia Croyd's uh, walk-off podcast, I think one of the first things that show up, show up is um, Julia Croyd has faith in Yusei Kikuchi. And that was like mid last year. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for sending me that. Friend. And you weren't alone, Johnny. You uh, can take credit for Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, that shirt blew up to the point Alec Manoa was wearing it. He's doing well now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Julia, to your point, I mean, we saw Kevin Gosman turn down an all-star appearance this season simply to go away and get that rest. And ironically, Jordan Romano, who was going to do the same, goes and gets hurt. But that's, that's a side story there. But you mentioned Kikuchi. I'd love to get the panel's take here because... I'm just absolutely stunned. I, I thought Hyunjin Ryu, not only was not a contributor to 2023, I thought we had seen the last of Hyunjin Ryu, period. How 
just massive has it been? When you look at, we've never seen what's happened with Alec Manoa. This is completely unprecedented. Uh, people tell me all the time of Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, when he was sent down, was absolutely not considered a top three pitcher in all of it. There, there is no comparison here. So to have Kokuchi and Ryu step up, thank God. Like, you needed that yin to that yang, right? Because that, that was a rug pulled out from underneath us as Blue Jay fans with Manoa. So thank God what we've seen from Manoa. Manoa, oh my word. <laughs> from Manoa uh, and, and from Kokuchi and Ryu, sorry. But I'd love to know, because I fully thought Hyunjin Ryu was going to sail into the sunset. Let's, let, let, let's start with Jen and go down there. Jen, do you think, is it possible this guy has worked himself into, say, a, a two, I know Scott wants a two-year, $25 million offer for Ryu. Do you think something like that is on the table? Yes, I, I do. I think he is, you know, very low-key, small sample size, but low-key, you know, um, the unsung hero of this team because where would this starting rotation be? With, with, the, with the loss of Manoa, if Ryu had not been able to come back and pitch to the caliber, you know, that he's pitching to right now, you know, um, I don't think anybody necessarily expected it at his age um, for him to be able to get back into game shape. I mean, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life and to go out there and do what he's doing. So um, I, I could easily see even potentially the Blue Jays offering him two years. Absolutely. And I've done my part. For the weight that he's lost, I've added the weight. So I've done my part to keep it, to keep it even, yeah. One in, one yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Johnny, are you a Ryu believer? Oh, I, I couldn't be more all in on Ryu. He seems like one oh. of the greatest teammates ever. All the guys that I know, they, they talk about how good he is in the locker room, how funny he is, and just all that type of stuff. So, and Blake talked about how, how thin this free agent market is this year, obviously. And bringing a guy back like Ryu is going to be a massive, massive thing on the checklist, in my opinion, should be for Ross Atkins. And look at how thin the other options are internally as well, right? Like, is anyone here confident that Alec Manoa, even if you have faith it could work, he's in your rotation day one, 2024? That's dicey. I love Bowden Francis, but if he's, you know, your SP5 entering the season and your depth is, well, maybe Ricky Tiedemann, who's only thrown 40 innings this year, and, like, Mitch White threw seven good innings yesterday. Like, that's what the starting pitching depth looks like at the highest levels of the minors right now. So bringing Ryu back is, is a nod to that as well because unlike the third base thing we talked about, the internal options aren't really there on the starting pitching side yet. Now, what about from a business standpoint? What are you comfortable? Are you comfortable going to a third year with Ryu? What's the contract got to look like? Probably not three years, but there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. And, you know, if, the, if it's a second year that gets you over the hump, he's another Boris guy, so... You're going to be points. negotiating yeah, against real offers and fake offers and yeah. things like that. So There's a mystery team. <laughs> <laughs> and look, anytime you're talking starting pitching payday, like you have to consider it pooled risk. So you have to look at it as, okay, well, $20 million on Gosman, $20 million on Bassett, $20 million on Barrios, 10 on Kikuchi. You all right? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, 15 on Ryu or whatever. It's not really each bet on the individual. It's like, okay, well, we spent 80, 80 or $85 million on a starting rotation that we're comfortable with. One of these guys is going to suck or get hurt, but that's okay because the overall risk-reward is there. That's kind of how you have to take the starting pitching market, and especially if you can like the Kikuchi deal or like the deal you're kicking around, a short-term deal, you're, you're pretty comfortable with that. And by the way, how insanely ironic is it that Kikuchi's contract this season is outstanding now all of a sudden, right? For, from his production? From his production? I know you're not surprised, Julia. Some of, some of us are. Some of us are. Julia, where are you on the monster, Hyunjin Ryu? 
I think, uh, Blake, you, you hit the nail on the head here. It's, this is about death as much as anything else, mm. right? And, and about the options that present themselves outside of what the Blue Jays have right now and internally as well. Uh, I would be completely comfortable with giving Hyunjin Ryu two more years. And uh, in, in addition to the depth, let's say he regresses, which would be completely understandable here. Let's say he does regress and he is a solid number five starter, but you know, not obviously to the, to the dominance that he has uh, given the, the Blue Jays so far this year, this is still a mentor to, to mm. the young guys that may come up, right? Uh, say a guy like Ricky Tiedemann makes the big leagues uh, within the next year or 2025. It is extremely valuable to have someone like Hyunjin Ryu, who is obviously not the same type of pitcher, they, right? You, you look at a Tiedemann, you look at a Hyunjin Ryu, they are different pitchers, but having a guy that does the work and, and does the work right every single day, it is, uh, it is a big deal. And Manoa, who is probably a bad example right now, will be the first to tell you how, how valuable it is to have a guy like that in your corner. I had the, uh, the, the opportunity to write a, a feature piece on, on Ryu, and everyone around him says the same thing. He is an example of not just hard work, but actually smart work uh, in, in the way that he carries awesome. himself. And that is something that I believe any pitching staff has something to learn from, uh, no matter their age, but especially when you're looking at maybe developing some young guys in this rotation. Let me ask you, Scott, because my fear is Hyunjin Ryu is going to want to follow Shohei to the Dodgers. So I think the Blue Jays are going to have to get involved in a three-year deal. That, that's where I'm coming from on this. What's your comfort level on that now, Scott? That's a really tough question. I, I mean, three years is not ideal in this scenario. He is 36 years old, obviously, and time catches up to everybody. We see it every time that we think there's someone who is uh, a shining star, an exception, and then it happens, right? Everyone eventually hits a wall. That said, honestly, and, and Blake kind of touched on it there with Bowden Francis, right? The depth in this Blue Jays system at this point isn't where you would necessarily want it to be to roll the dice, right? And I, I also believe that Bowden Francis provides a lot of value that maybe we aren't giving him credit for, right? There, this was one of the biggest problems with the bullpen coming up until just recently, which was there was no long man back there. And I know it's crazy to say, but wow, now that there's a dude back there who you know, when someone goes only four innings and can come in and give you three innings, it really, really allows the rest of the bullpen to not be overworked, something that has happened a few times this year. Well, Scott, aren't we in a point right now where we'd have a little bit more faith in Bowden Francis to be that long man over Trevor Richards, who has looked unrecognizable mm -hmm. since he returned from his injury, by the way? Mm -hmm. No, it is uh, a bummer what's going on with Trevor Richards because, my goodness, what a season he has provided for this Blue Jays bullpen. And to see it fizzle out because of an injury does kind of suck, obviously. But that's the way the bullpen goes, right? That's relievers 101. As soon as you start believing in one too much, oh, they will make you pay. So um, hopefully he finds it again. He's got one of the best changeups in baseball, oh, so good. and would definitely be uh, a value add yeah. out of the pen in the in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, right now I think he's definitely lost some leverage in that pen. Well, pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, let's ask Did it work? Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it dramatic enough? That's the oldest trick in the book. Right? <laughs> well, Johnny had the oldest trick in the book earlier, the fake injury. This is the second oldest trick in the book here. Yes, yes. Where, where are we on, on Trevor Richards? Am I, am, I, am I reading too much into that? I mean, we can't be happy with what we've seen lately, but that, that change-up at any given time feels to me like it plays. Where are you on Trevor Richards, uh, Blake? So the, the last couple outings, the changeup isn't really moving the way mm -hmm. that we normally see it, and that's a little tough when you throw 94 as, as your counter pitch, and you know it's obviously worked so well for him to ditch a third offering, but on a day that he doesn't have his changeup and guys just see enough of it to lay off. And at first I kind of thought, it was like, okay, it was the first game back from the I.L., and then there were two outings in Colorado, and we know that Coors does weird things to breaking balls. Like Good even point. like we, we've the book has always been you can't throw your curveball there, but we've also started to see that like stuff that breaks back doesn't break the same way there. Um, there was a clip of Richards in the Sunday game going back to the bullpen and talking to I can't remember if it was Pete Walker or someone else, but he was like doing the motion with his mm. hand like his pitch wasn't mm. breaking. So I kind of like it was like okay, first game back from the IL, and then okay, Coors Field for two of them. But like you can't just keep stacking those things. So I, I don't think it's like a concern of he's not in the playoff mix. I do think though that a couple weeks ago we were talking about him as oh he's a seventh eighth inning guy, and now he's probably you know I, I think what we saw today with who was warming up when. Chad Green's probably jumped ahead of him now. And then, yeah, he's kind of slid into maybe more where you'd use Jay Jackson and, and Bowden Francis. When can we have... Johnny, you're good friends with Eric Swanson. When is the Swan Song coming back? Give us the inside scoop. Yesterday he pitched well. Yesterday he pitched well. I mean, obviously he looks great. Um, hope, I'm hoping he's back for this Rangers series, man. It's the biggest series of the year. I mean, we're going to need all hands on deck for that. But in terms of the Trevor Richards stuff, I do think a lot of it is a, a testament to just him being overworked. I mean, this is a guy last year wasn't pitching high leverage type of situations. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to read the numbers about the innings he pitched. That maybe I should have maybe looked into that earlier. But, uh, yeah, I, just, I, I think a lot of it is just everyone's battling injuries this part of the year, right? I mean, overworking, all that type of stuff. And when your offense puts up three runs and you got to win a lot of baseball games, games 3-2 and need Trevor Richards and high leverage is going to catch up to him and that's another reason why I think he's been kind of struggling here the past couple of weeks. And to piggyback on that thought, like if you look at the bullpen pieces that have been lights out for this team all year long, they are breaking their career records in innings pitch. Trevor Richards is there, Tim Mesa is there, and Tim Mesa is another guy that we've seen struggle a little bit recently and I think it really is just a workload thing, which again goes to the point of how valuable Bowden Francis has been for this team. <laughs> And guys like Jay Jackson, who we're going to talk to in just a few minutes here, uh, have been lights out and been that depth in this bullpen that maybe they lacked in 2022 and 2021. Uh, Swanson's at a career high as well, and Romano's going to get there. And Romano, yeah. mi and Romano missed time, and he's still going to get there as well. So it's, it's, it's a true point. You know, I have such a hard time levying it as an actual criticism, though, because, I mean, everywhere throughout baseball, we're seeing these bullpens used, and you just rhymed off the numbers. The starters are, are coming through, so I don't know what the answer is on that, but we've been talking about, you know, thank God of certain moments during the season. Well, if we're going to shout out Trevor Richards, when Alec Manoa got sent to Florida, Richards had those three straight starts as the opener. Remember that? And did a fantastic job in those three straight starts. The Texas one had a bump in the road there, fine, but he was awesome. Who was it? Uh, at home against San Fran in Washington, I want to say? Anyway, he did a really good job. He really stepped up. So, yeah, I hope uh, uh, the Trevor Richards can't come back, but ultimately, I want Eric Swanson to be the eighth inning guy in the playoffs. Now, that's the eighth inning guy. How do we feel about the ninth inning guy? 
How do we feel about Jordan Romano? I feel like the Toronto Blue Jay fan base is a little bit split on this. I don't think anyone in the Blue Jay fan base thinks this guy's a bum. No. But I do hear on the Locked On Blue Jay podcast, you hear it on the Walk Off podcast, we do hear some trepidation about Jordan Romano being that World Series closer. Baseball Jen, kick us off. Where are you on the man from Markham? I have confidence in Romano. I really do. I think that he's... I mean... I think that he's proven himself in that role enough times over that really you should feel confident about him going out there and closing games for you. Has he had a few games where you've had to hold your breath or he's, you know, whatever? Not today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, but we can say that of everybody. We can say that of every closer in baseball, right? So, you know, when you look at his entire body of work over the season, um, I, and, and, you know, his own, well, I mean, just looking at him, just the, the persona that he brings out onto the mound, right? He wants to be in that closing situation, right? He has the pedigree for it. I absolutely feel confident in him closing out games for this team. It's funny. The Texas Rangers fans are watching this going, you guys have some nerve. You think you've got a bullpen to complain about? you got some nerve. My God. For Tex- those of you who don't know the stat that Craig is talking about, the Texas Rangers, out of their last 12 save attempts, have two <laughs> saves. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. cracking them up. Well, on, <laughs> on the season, they have more blown saves than sa- The guy we saw today, Cole Reagans, who has a massive future, he was gifted to Texas because they, they, they or to Kansas City, sorry, because they jettisoned that, yeah. you know what, Araldus Chapman. And they get, I mean, just, just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Johnny, where are you on, on uh, Jordan Romano? I trust Romano, man. I mean, that's just baseball. I mean, every reliever goes through these little lumps, these little bumps in the road where they don't look good for a couple starts. The Jay, I mean, a couple appearances, sorry. I mean, Jay's got wins in both the last ones where he kind of struggled, and obviously there's a little bit more wiggle room and breathing room. But, no, I trust Jordan Romano, man. I mean, he's our guy. He's the, guy, he's the Canadian guy closing for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I love him. And obviously his stuff's absolutely electric when, it is, when it's going. But just a couple rough start a couple rough appearances he'll be fine i mean this is a guy that's kind of you've been able to rely on a lot this year like i said a lot of games they've been winning by close games he's had to come in and shut the door so i trust romano and i want to be the closer for this team till i'm six feet under that's my guy he's fourth in saves in baseball (laughs) blake what about the in particular blake i want to hear what you say there but i'd love to hear you talk about what I hear the criticism from Romano is the pitch selection. Why was the slider there? That was definitely a fastball count. Why was the fastball there? That was definitely a slider count. That's what I hear a lot. Where are you on Jordan Romano? So that's a tough one because when you're a two-pitch guy who's 50-50, right? And look, the splits are different for righties or lefties, but let's say 50-50. Part of what you're doing there is trying to not be predictable. So it's not a full coin toss. And you're scouting a guy of like, yes, this guy in this area doesn't handle the fastball. Like, if he's pitching to Matt Chapman, he's going to lean on those fastballs up in the zone more, right? If he's facing a guy who doesn't hit, if he's facing George Springer, he's going to hammer him with the slider. But part of it is also being a little unpredictable with an otherwise predictable pitch mix. So I can get there with it sometimes. I think, you know, bigger picture, it's that when he has had days like today, he's not commanding the fastball particularly well. He gets that kind of high arm side miss with regularity. I think that's maybe a little related to the back and the, and the fatigue stuff. But yeah, I mean, pitch mix, anytime you, like the batter is thinking about this too and the other team's game planning it. So if you are sitting there and you're like, ah, he should have thrown a fastball there, a small part of the thinking might be, well, he probably thinks I'm going to throw a fastball there. So that's a little bit, I can't really put myself in Romano's head 
with something with that element of it. It's funny with Romano too because it feels like the more room he has, mm. the more he's mm. going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> if you give him no wiggle room, he is lights out. And we saw that just yesterday, right? Or maybe, or sorry, it was Friday where, you know, he got ca called in in the eighth inning, back against the wall, shut it down, right? Go into the ninth inning with a little wiggle room, he used it all. How do, you, how do you explain what happens in tied games then, though? I don't. There are smarter baseball minds out there for that. Well, to your point, Scott, about the no wiggle room, if you remember, we got this big uh, series coming up with Texas. If you take your mind's eye back to that two to three that Texas took from Toronto in June, the one game was that, I think it was a weekend series, if I remember correctly, that Friday, the Jays won two to one. He comes in for a four-out save because Mazer got in a little bit of trouble in the eighth. So that's a two-to-one game. So he gets four outs. He goes strikeout, 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 ground out. I mean, he was cash money with no room for error at all. Julia, touch on Romano if you want. But, Julia, what I'd really love to hear from you is, is it a night and day difference or is it a six of one, half dozen of the other that we're not going to see Danny Jansen catch for this team down the stretch? It's going to be all Alejandro Kirk. It's going to be all Tyler Heineman. Chris Bassett loves that. Chris Bassett has thrived with Kirk. But what about some of these other guys? That's a, that's a fascinating question and one that I think sort of relates to what Blake said about pitch selection, right? When you're working closely with your catcher and you're trying to figure out a game plan, uh, trust goes a long way with that and obviously rapport goes a long way about that. And so it, it will be more interesting to see some of these guys try to navigate uh, pitching without Danny Jansen uh, as a backstop. Uh, that said, earlier this year, there were a couple of moments when Romano seemed like he was struggling at least to me, I don't know. And uh, it, that I'm not huge into like going deep, deep into stats. Obviously, working in baseball, you have to know the freaking stats. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was one where I was like, it seems like he's not doing as well as he did last year, and I wonder what this is about. And what my deep dive showed was that I was wrong. Is that he was actually, you know, when you look at the numbers and when you look at the body of work, he is probably putting together a more dominant season than he did last year. Oh. That said, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate here and say that I don't think Romano has entirely proven himself in this role. We saw what happened uh, in the wild card series last year. I know no one wants to revisit that. If you want to order another beer. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the reason why the Blue Jays collapsed that year was because Jordan Romano couldn't hold it together. Now, I agree with you. It seems like when the stakes are higher, that is when Romano really thrives, and that is who you want on the mound in those situations. But to say that he has proven himself, I would say right now is, a little, is going a little bit too far. I do believe that the Blue Jays need to make the postseason a little bit more consistently, and he needs a little bit more opportunities to pitch in those big moments, and then we will be able to you know, get a better feel of where Romano uh, stands uh, in the Blue Jays franchise, let's say, as a, as a closer. Okay, Sorry. folks, number one, we're going to bring our panel of, of four back out here in about 30 minutes, but I am going to give you to cheer very loudly for Jen, for Johnny, for Blake, for Julia, for joining us. Thank you very much, you four. You can either go into the showroom or into the green room there. Uh, we do have our special guests in the house. Yeah! Woo is right! 
So, but before we bring them out, now, on the walk-off podcast, we have a term for injuries to not jinx any healthy players. We call it bad tacos. So we've got a bad taco t-shirt here. Okay, so what we're going to do here, Craig is going to, in an old school fashion, bundle that into a ball. He's going to stand up and throw it over his shoulder. (laughs) And then what you're going to do, so we're going to be selling some of these shirts after the show. So if you win, if you win the shirt, you can go get your actual size afterwards. But in the meantime, this is the best way we know how to do this. So, so go bri- to her, buddy. A bride throwing the bouquet. Is yeah, that my instruction? Okay. A bouquet here. A bride bouquet from the one and only Greg Ballard. Hey! Front row happening there. Love to see it. All right, folks. I think we are ready for your special guests. Okay? From the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to the stage, Jay Jackson and David Schneider! There we go. Go ahead and... What did you gentlemen get up to this weekend? Anything fun? <laughs> a lot of sleep. That's all I remember. A lot of a lot of sleep or a lot of sweep. Oh, he went there. There it is. <laughs> I did absolutely nothing. I was just getting back in from Salt Lake, so I I actually slept. He actually, he, <laughs> David. Okay, Jay sleep. actually slept. Okay, Jay actually. Okay. How's everything in Salt Lake? Um. It's good. Everything's good so far. Okay. Rolling up and up. Everything's trending in the right direction still. He's actually in a crib right now. So beautiful. We're, yeah, we're in the right direction. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Love beautiful. it. Love it. All right, gentlemen. So we did just give uh, a shirt away here. So I think now's yeah. as good a time as ever. Sure. To, we'll uh, continue with some giveaways here. Now, first, Jay, let's just start with you. real uh, Not real quick here, but let's start with you because a lot of Blue Jay fans here, you're so loved. This is being taped right now, so this will be on the Walk-Off podcast. This will be on the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast. My point being, you're, you're, you're speaking to a lot of Blue Jay fans right now. Yes. And Scott and I were talking earlier, and we are saying, listen, if Jay just turns behind him, he's going to see all the Blue I mean, th- this is a country and a fan base that is behind this guy right here, right, and his family. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So Jay wanted to give you the, 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 the opportunity to speak to these people here. Um, just, I just want to say thank you guys so, so very much. It means so much to me and Sam and our families, how much you guys have supported us and brought so much energy to help JR and us through this whole situation. So we really do appreciate it. It has helped us so very much. So again, thank you guys for letting me be a voice to tell us, tell the fans thank you. But again, thank you guys for everything you've done for me and the family so far. So thank you from our family. <laughs> To all the Blue Jays family and nation out there. Mike Wilner even loves these guys, so that tells you how much he's loved, how much there's love in the fan base right there. I know. Okay. <laughs> sir. Yeah, poor Mike. Yeah, sir. Should we? Yeah. Do, do we want to do the? Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, let's we'll give them the, theirs. We'll do the uh, trivia questions in a second here. So we, uh, Scott and I, got together here. So we wanted to have something to thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Now. Let's start, because we just had such good news about JR. So I want to show real quick that I hope Jay likes my new shirt. 
I, I love it. I love this shirt. That is the best, that's the best shirt ever. But what Scott and I really hope is that, in fact, JR enjoys his new shirt. Oh, yes, thank you. I'm going to go, I'm going to bring it to him. Huh? So the big guy's going to grow wonderfully into that. Yeah, We're going to see yeah. a picture one day, and it's going to make our day, Jay. Yes, We're so yeah. happy now, for you. Now, speaking of shirts, we know that your boys from Buffalo are sporting a Davis Schneider shirt. And so we figured it would only be appropriate for you to do the same. Well, now, Davis, the, we come to find out that there's more to that story, right? It was, everyone saw, everyone see yesterday the picture of, of Clement and, and Horowitz wearing that incredible shirt of the Major League Baseball logo with the Major League Baseball colors out, the, the Blue Jay colors in, and the, the batter facing sideways. Now has a brilliant stash and has the goggles on as well. Some just, of us recognized yeah, him. Yeah, just like our yeah. man here. But Davis, come to find out, it's actually much bigger than that. What's the story behind that shirt? Who made that and what's behind that? No, so my sister just made it. And so she's just, cool she's just wanted to make it for my people back home, all my family and friends. And then Spencer bought a couple from her and then just gave one to Ernie. And then they just wore it out in practice one day. And then it got all, all on social media. And That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Now... My, our guess is that Spencer and, and uh, Ernie, with, with that picture, that they think they did something clever and funny there. And to be honest, they did fine. But we're going to ask them to hold off on putting that in their win column. Because, Davis, what's going to happen tomorrow when you walk in with this? <laughs> it's a shirt and a shirt. That's awesome. That's good. You have to, yeah. They're going to love it when I walk in tomorrow. <laughs> They thought they had the last laugh. Here comes Davis Schneider with that mustache. Now, Davis, are, 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 I mean, are you in? Is this mustache? Because uh, I have to think, even if you didn't like it, I mean, too bad. It's here to stay, no? I mean, right? Yeah, I was thinking about shaving it, but then No, you were not. I, Wait, I do you, do you want to tell him when you shave I it, mean, though? I get noticed out on the streets, and, you know, I, I'm a very low-key guy. And it's cool, but, you know, I wanted to shave it just to make sure. Like, you have to ask him what happened when he did shave it in Buffalo. Well, you did shave it one time. What did in I tell you when you shaved it? Because your Vancouver Canadians oh. pitcher is clear, is almost clean shaved. Yeah, that was back in yeah. nineteen. I was yeah. twenty at the time, okay. so like, you know, I couldn't really grow facial hair at the time. So Jay's giving us an inside scoop that you actually did shave that mustache in Buffalo. Then what's this about? Well, then I he told me he was like, if you grow it back, you're gonna get called up this year. <laughs> oh no way! No way! There you go. There you go. There you All go. right. Yeah. So technically. There you go. There you go. That's funny. Atkins is on line one with Buffalo. He did what? Okay, you know, okay, no, never mind that. How about Horowitz? Can Horowitz? Okay, bring up Horowitz then. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Davis, I got a question for you about the Colorado series. Last game of the Colorado series, you hit the double to drive in Vladdy. You're at second base, and then Angel Hernandez leans in, and he starts saying something in your ear. Can you share that conversation? Um, we were talking like the whole series besides when he was behind home plate. Obviously. But yeah. um, we were just, you know, talking shop, talking about baseball. Well, nothing, anything crazy. He was just making a joke. I forget what he said, but I mean, he was just making conversation. He was a nice guy, bad umpire, but nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk. I would love to hear, because that's from a, from a hitter's perspective, bad umpire. What about from a pitcher's perspective, Jay? Is that the same feeling that the pitchers have for this massively bigger than life strike zone? Um, I'm not going to comment on it. No comment. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Okay. Okay. It, 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 Jay wants it, it those strikes it, it still has, coming. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been great for me when I've had them back there. So, um, 
you're, 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 you already know to join the club on that, right? You already yeah, know yeah, it hasn't been good for many I, people I'm back there. I'm staying out of it right now. <laughs> some trivia with the boys? Yeah, let's do yeah, some trivia yeah. with the boys. So the way we're going to do this trivia, we've got a couple of fun questions. We've got a couple for each. So for David Schneider, of course, his questions are Toronto Blue Jays facial hair themed. And for Jay Jackson, <laughs> JJ, it's of the same initials themes. So we're going to ask them the questions. They're going to be able to phone a friend. So Scott, those, the shirts we just gave away, the Scott giveaway from the walk-off, if they get the answer right, whoever Scott's out there with, you're going to get that shirt as well. So we'll have some fun with this here. So we'll start with... Let's start with Jay. So Jay, so Jay, let's play a quick who am I here. So Scott, who, who, who's the uh, audience contestant here? Well, let's go with, uh, with you right in front of me. That's literally the easiest thing I could possibly do here. There you go. Who do we whoa, have here? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 wow. no, no, This well, is your that, call that, of friend no, here. All, okay, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. I trust and that you're going to have the answer. Oh, that is right. Yes. There you go. See? You, you know him. Yes. See, there we go. There we go. We've met a couple yeah. times. See? There we go. There you go. It's a team. Right. Hey, so I already trust you. They're and what team. is your yeah. name? Cheryl. 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 Cheryl's awesome. Cheryl's going to get this. We're good. We're yeah. Cheryl. Good to you, Cheryl. Cheryl, you got his back here. So, Jay, we're going to, uh, Cheryl, I mean, sorry, we're going to ask Jay the question. If he needs help, though, you're right there. You're in the on-deck circle. You're in the on-deck circle. So, Jay, the first question for you is, who am I? So, who am I? I was, insanely enough, somehow I was a throw-in that the Cincinnati Reds insisted the Blue Jays take as part of the trade that brought future Hall of Famer Scott Rowland to the Blue Jays back in 2009. Yeah, somehow I was a throw-in. And I would be a Blue Jay through 2016. And as a Blue Jay from 2009 to 2016, I would hit 239 home runs with an 878 OPS. Remember, same initials. So this person has the same initials, first name and last name. Who is this Toronto Blue Jay? You gotta get this. <laughs> I already know. You know, you do you understand how many Pressure teams on. I've been with? That's do you know how much do you know how much history I'm supposed to know with how many teams I've been That's with? True. So well that okay, okay, yes, true. So, yes. Now this uh, is not an obscure. Cheryl's Blue giving Jay, a though. hint here. Oh. oh yeah. Good hint. God. Wait, he was just here, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes, he was yeah. just here. Yes, he was That's just here. But he has the same initials. You got it. Not yeah, as you. You're thinking of it. But no, his initials are the same letters. I know it's, it's one. I know. I, I just remember from the chicken wing. That's it. I just I don't remember. It, yeah. I don't remember any other thing besides the chicken wing because like she said. <laughs> Who was it? Cheryl? Cheryl, help him out. Who was it? It's E. What's, oh, so say, it's Edwin and Carson. Boom, there we boom, go. Boom! 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 Like boom! There we go. Well done. So Cheryl, that's good news for you. Yes. I was like, there you go. Again, yeah, you can just get like your e size e after e the e show. E I yeah, no, I know. That was my bad. Sorry. We're good, we're good. My favorite part of that is just Davis whispering, oh, you better get this. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even take the mic away. You know, friend to friend. He let us all know, hey, you better get this. Okay. Now the pressure's on Davis, though, Jay, right? Shoe on the other foot here. So, Davis, what legendary Toronto Blue Jay pitcher who was always handsomely mustachioed Pitched the only no-hitter in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history on September 2nd, 1990. Who's got the only no-hitter in Blue Jay history? I have no idea. It is before his with? time. Who's he playing with here? It is before his time. Let's go over to this here. Sir in the Blue Jays oh, hat yeah, and the Blue Jays good. jersey. Can you help him out? Boom. Dave Steve. Dave yes, Steve. Yes. There we go. Yes. So my man, you're just going to come see us after the show and you'll, you can pick out a shirt. All right, there we go. 
Definite shout out to Dave Steed. I'm not a pitcher, so I mean. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. True, true, that's true, true, true. That who, was such a Jay question. You no, really sorry, screwed I'm sorry. this up, Craig. Well, no. who's Jay's partner? <laughs> who's Jay's partner for this next one? Uh, who? Let's do the uh, elementary school fail-safe test here. Of raise your hand. Do who wants to be Jay's partner here? Okay, in the back. Let's do that. All right. Well, if you can see someone there, you're better than me, Scotty. Okay. So, question. So again, same initials. What former independent league outfielder platooned with Justin Smoke and played some outfield while hitting fifth behind the aforementioned Edward Encarnacion for the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays, where he hit 321, 15 home runs, 886 OPS. Now, very unfortunately, the next season he was kicked out of the league for steroids. Who was that Toronto Blue Jay? Oh, Davis is not. Well, Davis thinks he knows. He's a hitter. He's all, he's gonna yeah, be I, all I know hitters. hitters. I don't know pitchers. Okay. <laughs> he's going to be all the hitters. Does our phone a friend know? Well done. Well done. That is Chris, Chris Colabello. Buddy, come see us after the show. Okay. Get yourself well a shirt. Actually, I faced Chris a few times. Oh, really? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, is that right? I played against him in, Me in the Winter League in Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. And do you remember how those at-bats went? Advantage J? Probably. Okay, okay. Probably. Okay. Probably. Okay, okay. And our last uh, fun little trivia question here, Davis Schneider, having to do with facial hair. Davis, back in July of 2019, what current Toronto Blue Jay teammate of yours shaved off his mustache mid-game to try to turn around his fortunes because he was slumping? Is he a pitcher? He is not. It was, he, was, he did it between at-bats, between his own at-bats. He's currently wearing something that he, none of us want him to be wearing, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. I don't know. Who's do we have, do we have, okay. Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen. Mid-game. Shaved yeah. it off. I, I do remember that, actually. Now they the, say, they, there you go. Yeah. I think, wasn't it Pat Tabler? It was the announcer that's just like, oh, wait a second. The, the, the other announcer was mid-sentence. He's like, give me a second here. Wait a minute. Am I, am I seeing this here? Am I seeing this? And he shaved, yeah. But, now, of course, how many of you remember, that's not the craziest thing a Blue Jay ever did to turn around his fortunes. How many of you remember 1986, Damaso Garcia setting his uniform on fire in the shower? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the 10th year anniversary as well. So remember, it had the, 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 the picture was iconic. It had the 10th year patch on there, the 10th year patch on the hat, in the wash, in the, on, set on fire. The Toronto Blue Jay management was none too impressed. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. You know what's so funny? For Damo, it did. He hit 300 the rest of the season. Now, the 86 Blue Jays, different story. And, of course, the 86 Blue Jays leads us to 87. And if you know the 87 Blue Jays, you know we need to stop this story right now. Right now. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can uh, all of you who receive T-shirts get up, give it up for Jay and Davis here? Yes. Helping you out, winning you some stuff. Okay, Jay, I, I do have a question for you about Oakland because uh, that bullpen, like how, how, how focused do you have to be? Because there's some hot shots hit that way sometimes. Is it, is it weird just being out on the side there? I mean, that's kind of what we came up doing. Hmm. So you're kind of used to it, but... It's a different level when you have to be like seated under the little thing. And so you're trying to move and you only have so much space. So like if a ball comes at you, 
you could see it when Cabby and a couple other guys, when we got a hot shot down there, like you can only move towards each other. So <laughs> if the ball's at you, you're either getting out of the way and on somebody else or it's hitting all of us. Right. So it's like bowling pins. So who do you sacrifice, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I'd probably sacrifice myself. No. Yeah, there you go. No, yeah, no. Jay, keep it in that bullpen and tell us, what's something when you're out there clowning around with the guys that as soon as one of these guys brings up a topic, you're leaning, you're, oh, boy, this is about to be good. Just old stories that we have from, like, other bullpens that we, mm -hmm. like, been in and stuff like that, or, like, guys we, we faced or just because, like, we have the media guide for each team so we can find random facts about guys. So somebody's like, oh, played against this guy? Like, oh. He did this in high school because like, it has every team's yeah. media guy that we play. So it's just like guys telling random stories. And so normally it's either Tim or Swanee that, like, they'll have a good story. And you'll be like, all right, like, what's going on? Nice. <laughs> like, it's always pretty good. So, I mean, just, just random stuff. It's always just random. Everything we do in the bullpen is random. random. <laughs> it's random. <laughs> okay. All right. Davis, when... You got called up. Um, you were ahead of the other Buffalo boys. What is it like being on a team right now where you look to your right and there's Ernie Clement and then you've got Spencer Horowitz right there with you. These are two guys that, I mean, this season in particular, but I mean, Horowitz, you boys have been buds for, for years, correct? Yeah, I mean, having him come up when he did was like pretty big. Obviously, I was very comfortable when I first got here. And like the guys made me feel at home as soon as I got here. I mean, Kiermaier, Witt, everyone, you know. So they were really good to me. But I mean, having a guy you already know with Ernie and Spence kind of kind of helps a lot too. We were talking about this before you guys showed up here. Uh, Cole Reagan just had a ridiculous scenario happen with three wild pitches slipping off the mound. Have either of you seen anything quite like that? Not live. Obviously, the whole Rick Ankiel thing happened a couple yeah. years ago. Wow, that was ago. the course, example That was the used. only, wow. yeah. But, I mean, obviously, that wasn't to that extent, but luckily he got out there before. He, he might have been fine. He might have just been slipping on the mound or anything like that, but, I mean, I never really seen it live, in my opinion. But. Well, Davis, even the Rick Ankiel, we were talking about that earlier. It's funny you said that, and we mentioned that, you know what, with Rick Ankiel, there was a stretch of time there where you knew that was on the table, that that sort of pitch might be coming. For Rick, this guy was absolutely dealing, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Like, just insane to see. Jay, we're, th we're thrilled it happened. No offense to fellow pitchers. We're thrilled yeah. it happened, right? But as a fellow pitcher, are you sitting there saying, boy, I gotta, I'll just be honest, you know what, I, I do feel a little bit for him in that spot. Or, hey, forget it. He's a, he was on Kansas City <laughs> today. Who cares? Who cares? No, 100% you feel for him because, like, it's just, like, it can just happen mm -hmm. like that from time to time. And you look at it, it seemed like he, like, slipped on the mound. Like, his cleat caught, like, a couple times, which, I mean, that's just your mechanics, and you just have to make an adjustment, hopefully, so he fixes that. But, like David said, at least he got out of there because hopefully it doesn't, like, turn into something where mm -hmm. it's, like, a snowball effect where he stops throwing strikes because he is really good. Jeez. So you want to hope the best for him and just, you know, he was – obviously pissed off at himself, so I figure that he'll be fine. <laughs> okay, okay, he'll be fine. Let him, uh, you know what, Kansas City, I actually think, is on Seattle's schedule, if anyone can confirm, so we hope he does get fined, actually, sooner rather than later. Uh, Davis, who's the toughest uh, pitcher, and it may not be, you know, the, the traditional toughest pitcher, but just somebody whose stuff, you know, for, for, for your skills, was, was needed some adjustments, was difficult for you. Who have you seen at the big league level where you just went back to the batter's box second, wow, wow. Yeah, Gregory Soto on the Phillies. Wow. I, I got pinch, uh, I was in there for the pinch hit, and he threw me four 
pitches, and I struck out on three of them. Three sliders and a 100-mile-an-hour fastball up and away. And so, I mean, going into that, it's not like you don't have a chance, but, I mean, you, it's a very slim chance. When you're and that's a lefty, right? So yeah, you're probably lefty, feeling yeah. good going up there, and then all I mean, of a sudden, I, whoa. This guy does 100 with uh, pretty good breaking <laughs> stuff. So I don't, I don't so not feel, that good. It does, yeah, I don't feel good going up there. But um, <laughs> he, was, he was definitely just a really good pitcher. I mean, he knows what he wants to throw. I mean, you have Milto back there, too, calling a good game. So when you have a good catcher nice. and a pitcher on the same page, then – it doesn't matter who's kind of on the mound, they're, they're going to be good. Uh, and I love that as well because I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of asking Jay this question. I'd love to ask again, Jay. What, you talk about the catcher, the, that relationship. Jay, what do you covet in your relationship with your catcher? What's important to you? The, 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 the target, the game plan, the, the, uh, how they communicate with you? What do you covet with your relationship with your catcher? I'd say mainly it's the communication. Like if we can be on the same page and we can get the pitches that we want together quick, then like I have enough time to like – either lock in more or play with the clock mm. or do something where I feel more comfortable that if we're sitting there shaking off trying to figure out mm. what each of us wants, then like the clock runs down, then you're in panic mode, and then stuff gets screwy, and he has a better chance to get a hit at that point because you know, you're know you rushing at that point, so you're not fully aware of your pitch. And it's funny you point to Davis because what if that, because Davis's mustache gets in the batter's box about two or three pitches before he does. But no, in a good way, I like, you know, I love the mustache, I love the mustache. Jay, what's your approach if Davis Schneider was walking in the batter's box against you? I would strike out, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <that's it>. <laughs> <laughs> he would throw me three straight sliders, and then I would whip it all of them. I would okay. take the last one, and then... We'll yeah. see. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on how... You're not going to no, give, give, give your away, secrets yeah. away? No, I mean, he's going to for sure she sliders. But yeah. it just been like, if I'm feeling good that day, I mean, just just depends like it's just it's day by day I try to honestly take every day that I go out there and just what I feel like I have a best chance at like I said before like what I feel good with that mm -hmm. day I try to use that more effectively than just going off of what the pitch wrecks are every day because I try to realize what guys swings are and how they've seen and how I've pitched them before like, you know you can't pitch the same guy the same way 30 yeah. times you're gonna get hurt at some point so did you all get to stay up for that uh, Dodgers game where Jay Turn the season around in that ninth and tenth. And you remember that game? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. I was there. <laughs> well, did you know that? Oh, you by the way, I was at that game. Yes, it was awesome. Place. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Out of curiosity, do either you boys play Immaculate Grid? I don't, but uh, Spencer does. And Spencer he, does. Eh? He helps with that. I, I, don't I help him sometimes. I, a, <laughs> I knew. I do know a lot of baseball history when it comes to hitters. So when it comes to hitters, pitchers. very important. Yeah. Well, that was one of the questions we had for you, actually, Davis. It's funny you say that. We would love to know who's an obscure, I mean, the, the deeper the cut, the better, but who's a Toronto Blue Jay that you grew up definitely knowing about and maybe even saying, you know what, I like the cut of this guy's jib here. Uh, I mean, Roy Holiday. I mean, he played for the oh, Phillies. Oh, what too, an answer. So. What an answer. Not even a hitter. Not even not a even hitter. A, Just what you least expected. He, I mean, he played for Philly, and so growing up watching him was, you know, a big deal because he was the best pitcher for Man. many years, even on the Blue Jays when he was here. And so, I mean, he was just a good guy to look up to. And, and he was a really great baseball player as well. Yeah, he was okay. Roy Halliday was okay, no? <laughs> that was decent, yes? Oh, my God. You know what's so incredible is, uh, I mean, how would you ever guess this if you didn't know? But Roy Halliday, I don't even remember the year, but he had a, a single-season ERA of 10.64. It's the highest single-season ERA in baseball history. Like, isn't that incredible that Roy Halliday has that? But then he went back down. Uh, who was it? Al Widmar and the old pitching coaches, they revamped everything. Now he couldn't throw a ball straight if he needed to throw a ball. Like, it, 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 when, when he came back, he was just unbelievable. And, and what a, we were talking earlier about uh, what, what a workhorse the starters have been for the Blue Jays this season. I mean, 
I just described a reality. Workhorse, yeah. I just described a reality. Yeah. 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 Jay, how about uh, for you? Who's the, uh, the, the one, one of the... One of the toughest hitters, yes, but you've been in a lot of different ballparks as yeah. well, so I'm really interested to know what ballparks, w when you go and you're just like, oh, is, is it really on our schedule? Okay, well. Colorado. Okay. Colorado, yeah, Colorado, yeah. <laughs> what, so, what is, so, so explain it then, because we hear it anecdotally all the time. Uh, Blake Murphy was saying earlier that the book on Colorado is you can't throw your curveball there. What, I mean, it's literally the altitude, yes, but, but what does it do to you mentally? What does it do to you physically that presents the problem? Well, I mean, for a lot of guys, the altitude kind of gets to them, like physically especially. But, I mean, I'm in Utah a lot right now, so yeah. I mean, I'm, okay yeah. with the, I'm okay with altitude. But just with your stuff, with your sliders, curveballs, fastball, they don't move as much. They still move, but not as much. So as a hitter, if your ball's not moving as much, mm -hmm. it's staying a lot flatter. You hit it a lot further, especially if the, ball's th if the air's thinner too. So all the combination of things of it being not a great place for pitchers to be is what it is. So if Colorado, do you know any, like, do you have any pals or friends that are pitching in Colorado or have? And yes. What, what, like, they're not do doing great. No, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, no. None of them have ever really done great. Um, the only one that I've had that's been pretty good is Daniel Bard. And right. And oh, you've wow. seen Bard, he's had an up and down season this year, mm. but the last couple years he's been dominant, and then this year happened. So hopefully he figures it back out. But, other than that, I mean, I don't see a lot of guys that have a lot of success there. Now, why is that a bard? I can imagine is it because he's going to feature his fastball and that play still in Colorado? Is that why he has success there? I mean, yeah, he's a guy that throws 100 with a slider. Yeah, is that good? So why is that good? Oh, my gosh. A 100 mile per hour singer with a slider. I mean, anybody you know what? Take, like, I would like I said, it's hard, it's hard to hit, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, if you have, even if you throw 95 plus, I mean, it's hard to time up no matter who's on the mound, you know? I mean, yeah, hit, period, hitting's lucky. Right? Yeah. You know, hitting's all about luck. I mean, you can get a bloop single or you, you can line up the shortstop on a good swing. Baseball is all luck, in my opinion. Obviously, well, not luck, but <laughs> obviously there's work and preparation in there. But, I mean, you can do everything in the world and be 100% locked in, and, you know, the pitcher's going to beat you that day. Well, I will forever remember watching the documentary called Fastball, and there was a scene where they asked Derek Jeter what the difference between 92 and 99 is, and he just burst out laughing and went, ah, uh, 400 feet? Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's right. I mean, 92 now, I mean, a lot of people throw 92. It's just the way people are evolving. And, but, you know, there's a lot of guys who are throwing 95 now. Like it's just sure, we keep, all throw 92. Everyone's just, throwing 92. It's just going to keep going up up and up each year. I mean, even the starter today, he was throwing 99 miles yeah. per hour. You don't really see that back in the day, starters no. throwing that hard. I mean, but people are just getting better. When you're facing a guy with high velocity, what is your plan of attack? Are you still hunting fastballs? Yeah, I mean, you got to. I mean, because, I mean, any, anything after that, off speed or anything, you just got to be ready for the fastball because that's their best pitch, and you don't want to be beaten by their best pitch. You know, you know I had, uh, had the pleasure. Uh, Jay Jackson's actually the only two-time guest on the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast, my man right here. <laughs> Davis Schneider currently sitting at zero, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, okay, that's okay. No, it's okay. I'm just it's glad fine. he's here. He's at three on the walk-off, wow. and that's all we really are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jay, one of the things I love that we did, I think it was the last time you were on, is we built the perfect uh, Toronto Blue Jay reliever. And we said, you know, if you're uh, two pitches is, is definitely good for a reliever. Three is beautiful. We reluctantly had Jay, you know how modest he is, but I forced, no, no, your slider's in there. We had Trevor Richards' changeup. I had Romano's fastball. You had Nate Pearson's fastball. What I'm wondering, Jay, because since that time, 
do we have to amend this? Because since that time, yeah, Jordan, <laughs> yeah, Jordan Hicks has walked yeah, in the door I was about since to say, that you gotta, time. You got to take Hicks' sinker. What, what Mac? 100%. You, you got to take You're sitting it, here watching it, him warm up. I mean, what this guy is electric. No, 100%. You got to take Hicks' sinker for sure as a fastball. Like, take Hicks' sinker. I'll take Nate's four-seamer, my slider, and Jeez, Trevor's changeup. Night nighty nights. Nighty nights. Nighty nights. I would say it would be a perfect reliever for, our, for any situation. Oh, my gosh. Davis, do you have a memory of uh, the fastest pitch you've ever faced? Like, have you ever been out there and seen, like, 103 go up, and even you were like, holy shit. <laughs> um, kind of. I mean, there's sometimes where 97 feels like 92, and where uh, or 92 feels like 100. So it, it's really mm -hmm. depending on the day. It's just the way, you know, baseball works and how your body feels that day and kind of what you're looking for. But sometimes, you know, the faster the pitch doesn't mean always doesn't always mean like you're not ready for it. Like like I said, 97 might feel like 92. And the guy today he was 99, but it didn't feel as hard as it looked like it, when it went on the scoreboard. So if there is less spin, is it just if if is it easier? <laughs> it's obviously not easy, but is it easier to pick up 102 if there just isn't a lot of movement? Yeah, I mean that's like the whole point. If you ever see a guy who has good spin, they mean they. That's why a lot of teams like guys with good spin because because it plays up a little bit more. 93 looks like 96. So like, spin is a very important when it comes to like pitching and kind of getting your fastball off to the hitters. The best uh, quote I oh sorry I was about to say I wouldn't know I don't spin the ball well. So. <laughs> oh right yeah yeah your slider doesn't move that slider, much. Slider yeah, yeah. I'll say my slider spins but like fastball spin rate is awful. So. But you're running your fastball up there in the mid 90s. So it's, well, it's no slouch up there. Well, Davis just told us everybody runs it up in the mid there. So I guess they they do. everybody <laughs> does. Know, everybody yeah. does now. So, All sorry, right. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to mention actually real quick because Davis was reminding me. I think you would appreciate this, Jay. And, and shout out. I want to if anyone is, is uh, not old enough, ex uh, um, experienced enough with Toronto Blue Jay baseball. There you go. To remember Bill Cottle. Do we have any Bill Cottle remembers here in the, in, in the early 80s? There you go. He had the best quote I ever heard, uh, still to this day, about pitching. He said, it's one thing to throw a baseball through a brick wall, but it's quite another to know which brick you're going to hit. So, man, just the whole idea of the location. I mean, Greg Maddox couldn't throw 90 if we needed him to throw 90, but good Lord, he was walking it up there, putting it wherever the heck he wanted to put it. So it just reminded me when you were talking about that, uh, Davis. So I just wanted to mention a shout-out. Yeah, if you remember Bill Cotto, we can be friends. We can be friends if you remember Bill Cotto, yeah. Okay, should we bring... The rest of the panelists Absolutely. out and go to Absolutely. the audience. All right. Folks, can you, before we do that, give it up for Jay and Davis here. Very generous with their time. I will get Mark Anthony to just come on up here. I'll grab a wireless mic for you so that we can get into the audience here, sir. And I will switch that out. And then, if we can all make some noise and welcome back to the stage, Jen, Julia, Johnny, and Blake. And I'll grab chairs for them while they do this. Chair duty, it's your show. What the? The um, back in the green room, uh, we've got pitchers of beer, so that's probably a mistake. That's probably why. Yeah, that's probably why we don't see, especially Johnny, not not coming back out. Yeah, there we go. All right. How many more you need? Uh, One more? Speaking of, there he is right there. You're good? To our, uh, yeah, please. To our panelists returning, I'll just tell you real quick, something that you did miss is Jay Jackson gave a Seamless, rave right? review that JR is doing very well back home. He's in a crib and he's doing very well, so I wanted to share that good news with you guys. Yes. First and yes. foremost, like, you yes. Just come up here, bud. Yeah. Oh. 
Now, we should warn you that you're going to notice Jay and Blake whispering the, to each other here. They're huge Japanese wrestling fans, so apparently <laughs> they've been looking forward to this. So just so you guys know what's happening there, okay? Okay, like I said, we're going to use the age-old fail-safe of the elementary school and raise your hand if you have a question. We will start with Julia. <laughs> oh, thanks. I do have a question, actually, to Jay. It's a... Uh, okay, so, you had a, a baby recently. Yes. Uh, George yes. Springer had a baby recently. Yes. It seems like uh, whenever guys, you know, go on the, the paternity list, when they come back, right away, they dominate. And, it's, <laughs> and it, seems like, it seems like that was the case with you. It was the case with George. I think Mookie Betts had a baby earlier this year, too. Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett. Chris well, Bassett. Yeah, yeah. Right on, right on. That was amazing, right? That absolute gem that he pitched. Uh, so my question, and this is a serious one, is, right. is the new dad boost theory real, in your opinion? It has to be. I have to say it has to be because, I mean, I feel like that every time I get to go back home during an off day that I come back, I feel like not only do you dominate, it's just like you have a sense of peace. Like, you just feel happier. That you're like, <laughs> okay, like, I can go, like, do whatever, and, like, this is what I'm doing it for. So you feel a little bit more at peace, like, going out there and, like, handling business. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's got to be real, 100%. Of course. So then the coaching staff needs to be subscribing more sex for the players. I mean, am I, am, I, am I wrong on this? Am I wrong here? Do you want to tell me who to go to? or? Sh Let's start on the corner here right next well, to you. Your name, sir. My name's Jeff. Hi, everyone. Um, question for Davis. But, Jay, thank you for everything. You've spread so much joy this year to all of us, and thank you so much. You guys, you guys have brought me joy, too, so I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And your shoes are sick. Um, Davis. <laughs> Um, so they talked a little bit about, uh, you talked a little bit about how everyone in the clubhouse made you feel comfortable and everything, and that's great. But let's be honest about something. You're batting cleanup for the hopefully playoff-bound Toronto Blue Jays, batting behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr., having the greatest start of any player ever, like any player ever. There's been a lot of damn players. I know you're going to say it feels great, but can you take that, like, one level pass? Because I can't even imagine, like, you even necessarily had that dream that just came true so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even expect to make the big leagues this year, and then, you know, having everything happen as quick as it happened, I feel like I haven't really got the time to kind of process everything, you know, just because everything happened so fast, and it's only been a month since I've been here, so I really haven't really been here long. I mean, it feels like forever, I mean, just the way it is, but, um, you know, I feel like when I go home after the season, hopefully it's longer than, you know, just October, but, um, Hopefully when I go home after the season, I can really kind of just look back and kind of reflect on everything and, you know, just be with my family and friends back home, you know, and just, just kind of, yeah, like I said, just reflect on it. But, you know, it's just been crazy so far. I mean, it's been, it's more than a dream that I ever could ask for. So I'm just very grateful for everything and all the fans and, you know, everything that's just happened. So I just got to go out there and just play ball. Yes. And Davis, the... Your mechanics, you, you, made a, you made a tweak there, so it really feels like what we're seeing here is, system, I mean, the actual numbers we're seeing now is he's a walking video game right now. Some of that will come back to earth, yes, but Jay, uh, sorry, Davis, it, it really seems like you are here to stay. It really seems like that what you're doing here is, is sustainable, and, and what we'd love to hear from, from you and, and you know, from, from the entire panel here is uh, who's, who's the next 
one in Buffalo. So Jay and Davis, I mean, you guys spent a lot of time with those teammates in Buffalo. You must know that, hey, I'm so excited about X career, you know, getting to this big league level. Who's that next one? Let's start with you, Julie. Who, who are you excited to see? We'll come down the panel here. Listen, with prospects, you never really know, right? True. But I would say that uuh, a guy that excites me a lot is Aralvis Martinez. Yes, okay, yes. Right? I was hoping somebody it would say Aralvis. Yes, me too. It has to be. And it's not just because the power seems so effortless. It's the fact that he went back to the drawing board this year and he cut down on those strikeouts, mm. right, which was always sort of circled as a, a, a question mark for him. And the fact that he has cleaned up that aspect of his game and he has maintained the, the, the power, I think that he has the potential to be someone that, that makes an impact sooner rather than later for this team. Love it. Johnny, your answer can't be you. It needs to be somebody on the <laughs> Buffalo team. Yeah. Although, Although I'm, we've I'm, seen some clips of you, bud, and you look good out there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, washed up. Uh, I do. I'm not a big prospect. I don't really, really focus that much on AAA. So this is me just being off the cuff here. I'm, I'm excited for Addison Barger. Uh, just solely based on the fact how tight his jerseys are. That's what I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him hit, man. I mean, the guy rakes, obviously. He's just He's incredible, so I'm excited to see that for sure. And obviously, I mean, we got a little taste of it during spring training. I mean, he was launching baseballs. So I'm excited to see Addison Barger for sure. So his tight shirt tool is at an 80 for you. I'm excited, yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be yeah. medium, schmedium. So I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> okay. that and to see where the Toronto girls, they'll, they'll be enjoying that, obviously. I mean, the guy's, the guy's <laughs> in great shape. Awesome. I mean, obviously those two players that they named were great baseball players. But, I mean, Rafael Lantigua is a – the oh, guy beauty. very underrated in nice. my opinion. He just does the game. He just plays the game the right way. He runs hard. He hits for average. He hits for power. I mean, he walks a lot now. Like, and he plays all over the diamond. So, like having a guy like that on your team, no matter where you are, is is very big. So, and then he's just a great guy too. And having a great guy in your clubhouse is also very big. Just because you can play baseball doesn't mean you're going to be good. Because you got to be a good human being first, in my opinion. Because that makes a clubhouse way more wow. Great answer. How about baseball, Jen? Martinez was my immediate yeah. answer nice. as well. Yeah, he's, I think, the one I'm most uh, interested in seeing what he can do at the next level. I'm hoping Jay says yours for Zulueta. Jay, how about you? I was actually going to say Zulueta. Okay, yes, yeah. yes, I want to see what he's going to come back with, but before he left, he was. I felt like he was getting in a good place, and then when I left and came back, he was gone. So before that, like I felt like he was getting in a good place. He might have been getting a little tired and just mm. – like, he was, he, we were throwing him a lot. I mean, our whole bullpen down there was throwing a lot at the time. So, Zulu, and then you have um, Jimmy's down there, too. And Jimmy, well, Jimmy just got sent to double A, didn't he? Uh, Burnett or Robinson? Burnett. No, that was Jimmy Robinson. Oh, yeah, Burnett. Jimmy, Robinson. Jimmy Burnett is, like, he's, he's been, when I, when I was there, Jimmy Robinson was, like, okay. But Burnett was Wow. Throwing the ball well. He, I mean, we've all had some bad outings in AAA just because of how AAA is for pitchers right now. But they've both been throwing the ball well. Zoo, like I said, I want to see how he comes back. I feel like his stuff's going to play up when he gets back, and I'm going to be excited to see him. Julia. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, I'm a journalist. Uh, Jay, I, I, in the uh, spirit of talking about uh, Zulueta here, obviously the injuries have been sort of an issue for him, and delayed, I guess, his uh, coming up to the, the big leagues. But when you say you're interested uh, in how he comes back, what is it that you look for um, uh, from a guy like him who just has absolutely electric stuff, but he's had some bad luck too, right? 
Just like a confidence factor. I mean, that's what you look for in every baseball player, I would say. Hitters, pitchers, whatever. Whenever you come back from injuries, is your confidence going to be the same? Whenever you get sent down and have to work on something and you have to trust, like, whatever the new thing that you're going to have to go through is, like, that trust to be confident in what you're learning and making sure it works. Because, I mean, nine times out of ten, especially in baseball, what they make you start over with does not work right away. Like, if you get lucky enough and it does work right away, then those guys are special. But nine times out of ten, like, it's a true process of failing over and over and over with it again. So if it's something where he's learning a new pitch or he's changing his mechanics or something like that or they're trying to do something with his body to make him more – to stay healthy longer or something like that, then he's got to trust that. And so having confidence in that would probably be the first thing. And if he's confident, then he'll dominate. Because he was dominating really before he left. He had a couple bad outings. But for the most part, like, when we threw him out there, like, like he's getting out 100%. So we'll see. Blake, did you have a triple-A guy that uh, you've got your eyes on? Sure. Uh, hitting coach Matt Haig. Yeah, there you go. All these guys are coming up and raking, right? He's, uh, <laughs> he's got to be doing something right. No uh, no one else from AAA, but uh, the one guy in the system who's kind of risen pretty quickly, and he seems to fit the profile of some other guys who've had success is Alan Roden, who, like, 2022 draft pick, really quick through the minors already to AA, hitting over 300 there, and just kind of seems to check some of the boxes that this organization has had success with developing on the position player side. So he's a guy I think will be in Buffalo next year and see if he, he can, you know, be one of those guys who gives a late season boost like these guys have done this year. Love that. Let's go back to the audience here. Raise your hands if you do have a question. Let's go to the back. Uh, let's go right next to you there. Mark, Whoever. yes. What, you tell me. Yeah. The okay, perfect. <laughs> this one's for Davis. Um, I'm just wondering, with all the hype around you right now. And what hype? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, and knowing how fickle uh, the Jays fan base can be, does, this, does the hype lift you up, or does it actually make you a little trepidatious, or do you just block it out and play your game? Um, I kind of just block it out. I mean, I'm, I'm going to... Baseball is baseball, so I'm, you know, I'm bound to get cold at one point. I, I, I'm open my last six with five strikeouts. I mean, it's just the way baseball is. But, um, you know, I just love, you know, I love the fan base. It's, you know, it's a whole country supporting you, and that's the biggest thing. And, you know, it makes you go out there and kind of play harder, you know, just because you have so many people supporting you, you know. And, um, you know, it's, I feel like it's the best fan base in baseball. So having, having uh, fans like that is pretty special. Best fan base in baseball. Clap for that. Yeah. All right, let's go to the very back there in the gray shirt. Over here. I heard yes. they're super fans. What is it, 30 games this year so far? 20? 20? Wow. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. Um, I yes, 20 games this year, sitting beside a lot of the same people that we've been sitting beside most of the games. Um, we were talking about the fun in the bullpen, the fun in the dugout. And last year we had the Barrio, we had... Hernandez, we had Lourdes, and there was just a lot of sunflower seed throwing. <laughs> and I'm just curious to know, how is the fun in the dog? Like, we understand it's September, it's mid-September. We're driving towards October. But the fun, I think, is something that we as Canadians, we as Blue Jays fans, we as Blue Jays, um, have something that's very special and different. So I'm just curious to know, Davis and Jay. 
I mean, the fun that we have, you just, I mean, baseball players, I tell guys, tell people this all the time, we're weird anyway. <laughs> I mean, to be able to play this game, you have to be to a certain extent, and you have to find different ways to stay entertained through the game. So, I mean, in the bullpen especially, like, we're sitting down there just watching the game for, like, five or six innings, then you have to be ready. So, those first five or six innings, you're sitting there trying to make sure, like, you're doing random, like I said, it's just... Whatever the randomest things that we can do to keep, like, buy time to stay loose and stay, like, in tune with the game is what we're doing. But being in the dugout, when I used to be in the dugout as a starter and just with the guys, like, you, you're there to help each other and keep your energy high. Because, again, baseball is a game of failure. So whenever, like, it's trying to, you see it trying to go down, you always have the guys throwing seeds or you have to have those guys that are with bubble gum doing something or playing around, keeping the, keeping the guys loose because – you got to keep the train rolling. So, I mean, I don't know how it is in the dugout right now because I'm not there a lot, but, I mean, we just do, like I said, bullpen's just random, so. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jay, but, like, just the people we have on this team are, you know, the best human beings I've ever been, like, a part of. They're, they're, they love to have fun. They, they want to win. And, you know, we just have a lot of guys who make you feel good. And even when you're going bad, you know, they kind of lift you up. I mean, even KK today, he's not a guy known for his home runs. But he had that home run today. Massive and, uh, home run. Yeah. And like in, in the clubhouse, he was just hyping himself up, saying he was like the best power hitter ever. And <laughs> you know, just like this is, you know, you just gotta joke around. And like I said, he's he's not known for his power. He's known for being the best center fielder in baseball. And um, and you guys joke like that all the time. Even when you're going bad, you kind of have to joke with yourself, just because you know it's baseball and it's gonna happen from time to time. But you know, you just gotta learn to have fun with it, no matter if you're going bad or going good. I love that so much. Thank you so much. And I, I got to, you know, give a shout out to Belt because he seems to MVP, MVP. And we, we were in Denver last weekend and we were shouting out from the rafters, babe, babe Schneider, like just that he's called you that I think is amazing. And you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so very much. Thank you. That today, that you're speaking of the fun, the Kiermaier, that today, that was one of the epic in the dugout, that was one of the top ones of the year. I mean, we had two hits the whole day, and having we had two runs on one hit, and then we, he just puts his head with one swing, and you know, and he's a great guy, and he hypes up everyone on the team. Anybody interested in re-upping with Kevin Kiermaier going forward? We can get behind that. Let's go back into well, it's the not audience. Our, it's not our here. decision. Let's be clear. It's not Scott and I. That's not our decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's go over here to the second row, Mark, if you want to talk yes, to the guy sir. giving the peace sign there. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Um, first of all, I just want to thank Davis and Jay so much for giving us meaningful September baseball. There is nothing better than September baseball. I love it so much. All of us work our jobs, and to be able to go home and watch a meaningful baseball game in September, thank you. Like, like really. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, my question for you, though, is there's a lot made this year about the new rules in baseball. I was actually very against them at the beginning. I thought it was terrible that they were introducing a clock to this game. It's one of the most amazing things about baseball, that there was no clock. Uh, but now I love them. I love all three <laughs> of the rules. I think they made this one of the most exciting baseball seasons in a long time. Uh, so the question is to the whole panel. If you could wave a magic wand and introduce a new rule to baseball, what would it be? Great question. Um, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, down in AAA this year, we had a challenge system where you can challenge balls and strikes. Yeah, and as a hitter, obviously you want that. And even as pitchers too, sometimes the umpires mix a, miss a strike call. So, and um, 
Rarely. Yeah. Very rare. There's, there's times when the ball might clip the zone and they might call it a ball. And so I feel like having that up here, I mean, you only get three down there. So like you got to pick your times to when to choose it. But um, I feel like having that is going to make the game a little bit more fair. Because sometimes you get screwed on some calls that you shouldn't get called on. But I like that a lot. And, you know, it induces the game to where, you know, the hitter is going to be more involved and kind of like control his own destiny at some point, if that makes sense. Jay? I was going to say that I wouldn't change the game. I like the game the way it was before we had the rules in the first place. But that's just me because, I mean, again, I've been doing it for so long at this point that, like, it is what it is. So, But if it was going to be one, I would say the challenge system actually does work because you get to pick and choose, like, when you get to use them. So I normally have one at the end of the game if I'm pitching at the end of the game. And, I mean, you want to know where your strike zone is, too, as a pitcher. So... If you're like, okay, that ball should be on the corner, you can challenge it, and it's off, then you're like, okay, I know where I have to miss that now. So I would take the challenge system too. Davis, uh, how does it work in terms of, so when you're down there and you guys only have so many for the games, like who gets first dibs on them? Like if you have a good eye or Spencer has a good eye, you guys have a permanent green light to challenge, and then you know someone with a lesser eye has to be like really, really sure? How does that side of it work? No, nah, usually everyone kind of has their own reign. You just got to make sure you're 99% sure. Obviously, you're going to miss a call here and there just because, you know, there's you get, a lot you of get bad calls. In the box. There's, yeah, there's been a lot of there's bad There's a lot of bad mis mischallenged calls. There's been a lot. A lot but, of um, bad ones. You know, and then you know, our manager down there, Casey, he would just say, yep, you're done. And then um, it's, it's just the way it is. But, uh, yeah, you just got to pick your poison and when to do it. But no, everyone kind of has free reign. But you kind of get into a rhythm to where you can notice who is good at doing it and who's not. Well, pitchers, it's the catcher challenges. The pitchers don't normally challenge. We don't challenge the catcher challenges. So he has, I mean, if you think it's blatantly obvious as a pitcher, but nine times out of ten, we're wrong. So <laughs> the, catcher, the catcher challenges it for us. Now, Davis, if it's Angel Hernandez, are you just walking from the on-deck circle challenge? Like, is it going to be the challenge? I was thinking about doing it, like, just tap my head, like, on, on some calls, because you have to do that when you're down there. And I wanted to do that a couple times. When I got <laughs> I Just I probably, passive aggressively. Yeah, I, pro I probably would have been tossed or something like that. But um, you know, Johnny, is there a rule change uh, that you would like to see coming up in 2024? Oh, uh, you can't play music in between pitches. The Roger Center. That'd <laughs> probably be it for me. No, I do. I I uh, I, I agree. No, I agree. I, I do like the challenge system. I watched a couple minor league games, stuff like that. Just calls that are just not even in close to being on the block, getting called strikes, and just a simple tap on the head getting reversed. I do like that. Um, I, th I, I like the rules right now, actually, obviously, but uh, I think the challenge system will make the game substantially better, and it'll obviously a lot of calls affect a couple things, so it would, do a, it would do great for the game. And from an entertainment standpoint, I'm thinking of this right, right? When you challenge, it goes up on the yeah. big screen. It's like the tennis replay, so there's actually an entertainment no, aspect to it. No, it makes the fans feel more engaged in the game, too, so 100%, like, I feel like it's going to be brought in the next probably two years for sure. All right, I think we have time for one more question here. So we're going to go to, let's go to the very, very back of the room there. This guy right here? Yeah. All right, sir. Uh, hi, uh, this question is just in general. I heard the strike zone is more of an oval than a box. In the challenge system, is it actually a box that, that they're, that, that balls and strikes are getting thrown to, or is it an oval shape like some umpires, I've been told some umpires look for more of an oval kind of shape. Nobody knows. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm gonna leave it like that. They keep changing the strike zone in the box for this thing like every like two weeks. So nobody knows what's a real strike down there. Right and Jay's and not just frustrated it about it I think, at all. I, see, I haven't been down there. Every time I go back down, I swear it's something different with the they strike zone. They changed it again zone. on Tuesday. So with the way they do the high strike. Who knows? I might not even know. <laughs> I, I heard. I think it was JJ Cooper trying to explain the automated strike zone and what would have to be done to actually calibrate it for each player. And by the time he got to the end of his explanation, I was like, well, they, how? Like, they can't... They Two ball heights from the midpoint of your left hip, obviously. <laughs> Clearly, right? So, I mean, I had thought I was in favor of it, and then I heard this explanation and was like, I just don't even see how that's feasible. You got time for one more? Yeah, let's get one more, and let's come back up front here. Sure. Let's go to this young lady in the Blue Jays shirt. Hernandez, Teo, there we go. Here, grab the mic right here. Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, this one's for Johnny. Hi, John. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, uh, I was wondering about, like, uh, uh, about you, Cy Young, about, like, uh, it's really inspiring because, like, I've been on Twitter and now, like, they're trying to keep up the hype for Yusei Kikuchi. I remember, like last year, it was a really tough year where um, it got it got back to the point where he um, he said he informed um, the team that he'd be willing to uh, be sent down, and then the off season happened, and he had this transformation, and he grew a beard, and then <laughs> <laughs> along with like um, like there's some like Twitter. Um, like certain like um, Twitter people who are like um, making up like hype videos for Yusei Kikuchi, and then, and then uh, you came up with Yusei Sayang and then uh, Kikuchi's corner. <laughs> I think it's really inspiring because like it kind of builds up, helps build up that confidence, and then you got that moment uh, when you got to meet up with uh, Yusei. If you'd like to uh, elaborate on that. Yeah, well, Johnny, what inspired your Yusei Kikuchi push this year? <laughs> Well, well uh, if you listen to Gate 14 a lot of the time, we're, we're very dumb. We're very dumb, so we, we, try, we sometimes find these players that aren't really, like, fan favorites. For example, Bradley Zimmer last year. We said the Jays were better when he was on the team, even though he never played. But uh, when you say Coochie, it's just like I'm really good friends with Danny Jansen, and I usually we talk a lot, we talk a decent amount, and he told me, he's like, I've never played with a guy that's cared this much and just, like, puts forth so much effort. And, like, he, obviously last year, I mean, a guy being able to say, like, I want to move down to AAA or I'll move to the bullpen or anything like that to make the team better – uh, we kind of gravitated towards that, so uh, we, we started saying, you say cares, and started making these funny graphics of him with his head down in the dugout and stuff like that, and then sooner than later, we just started kind of live streaming his, his uh, spring training games and like just watching like the, the changes he's made and stuff like that, and obviously, seeing the, the comment section of people calling me an idiot for celebrating spring training stuff, obviously, made me want to root for you say Coochie more, so... We started doing that more, then his translator reached out to us, and uh, obviously like a, a Japanese newspaper wrote an article about Gate 14 or something like that. And Yusei's uh, translator saw it, who's a uni former University of Toronto baseball coach, and uh, we said like, let's meet Yusei, and he's like, yeah, I'd love to do it, like let's bring the shirts for us and we'll get tickets for you guys. So we met him on the field, and Yusei said he appreciates like the Coochie Corner thing that we did uh, against Tampa Bay, and uh, he sees all the dumb stuff we post about him and stuff like that on social media. So. Uh, yeah, it's just it was a surreal moment, but uh, you say I could say he's, he, he, his English is really good too. By the way, I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that he has really good English. Um, 
but he's, uh, he's so nice, such a good guy, and uh, obviously he cares a shit ton, and I'm, I couldn't be more happy to see someone have success like him. Like him. Truly. All right, I'm so sorry. I know that you folks still have questions, but we got to be out of here at 8. So if you can all give it up one more time for Julia, Johnny, Davis, Jen, Jay, and Blake, Craig Ballard of Locked On Blue Jays, this is Baseball Town, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out and supporting it. We are going to have some merch and stuff available as you leave there. My beautiful blonde wife is going to be running that table. You will notice her. And uh, again, folks, thank you so much for all coming out. This was a very, very fun and cool event, and we couldn't have done it without you. Again, the Walk Off Podcast. Tune in. Locked on Blue Jays. Gate 14. Cheers, everybody. Take care of yourselves.